Hey, Katie. Hey, Ben. So we talk on this podcast a lot about data science, but today we're going to talk about data engineering. We're going to try. I am not a data engineer. I'm a data scientist, obviously, but I have developed a deep sense of appreciation and respect for what these folks do. And if you're a data scientist, you should as well. And I am not a data engineer. I am a software engineer, and they're very different. So um, who knows how much help I'll end up being. We'll see. You're listening to Linear Digressions. Well, it's a little bit funny that you say data engineers and software engineers aren't alike, because one of the things that's often said about data engineers is they're more like data scientists engineers than data scientists are sometimes yeah data science is you know famously uh domesticating slowly with respect to how good the the code is that you can write and maintain in data science sometimes but if you're a data scientist you probably know that you know your own quote quality aside it's really important that the data that you rely on for your analyses be kept orderly and up-to-date and well formatted and in good shape just generally and that is the realm of data engineers so in a way it's bringing a lot of things that uh that we have learned in the software world in the software development world bringing a lot of those practices techniques and possibly a lot of the tools that are used in software engineering uh over to the data science world to kind of do similar type of things but you know, in, in this different world. A little bit. I think one of the important similarities between data engineers and software engineers is that very often the assumption with software engineers is that they're writing what we call production code. So this is code that real people are using to run real systems in real time. And that has certain expectations around quality, quality, availability, uptime. There's SLAs. uh, So kind of sets of rules about how the the system is run there's certain standards and apis for the different systems and how they talk to each other you know there are aspects of data science that sometimes are starting to formalize themselves like this but that's much more the realm of software engineering at this point but that is very much the way that data engineering is usually thought about is it's the governance and management and maintenance of systems for moving data around and for maintaining data at rest, mostly in databases, but sort of in any kind of, sometimes in data science, you're using something other than just a plain old tabular database. So how do you keep all of that stuff in good order? That's generally the realm of a data engineer. So if if I'm a data scientist at a startup or something, and I'm the first one, how do I know that I need one? Oh, that's a good question. It's probably that your work gets slower and slower as you do more things. Mm, Yeah. Because you have this proliferating system of CSV files and different versions potentially of your code. Well, a data engineer isn't going to fix the problem that you might have a bunch of different versions of your code. But keeping the data orderly is something that's, uh, you know, quite challenging. So I think that's probably the single biggest thing is that you'll start to slow down. But in general, if you're finding yourself spending a lot of time just maintaining the data, being in a good enough shape that you can build models on top of it, well, in general, that's very often what a lot of data scientists still do. 
but data engineers especially specialize in something called extract, transform, and load, or ETL. And that's the idea that there's data that might be collected in one system, but you need to analyze it in a different system. So it might be, oh, I see. Yeah, so collected you need to pull from, it out. Yeah, yeah. Pull it out from, let's say it's application data. So you have some kind of application, let's say it's a mobile app, and as people interact with it, then you're collecting all of that data, and you want to use it to, to do analytics, like, let's say, figure out if somebody who logs in every day is more likely to keep using your product or to upgrade. The data doesn't come out of the application all set up to do that analysis. So first of all, you just have to get it out of the application. Okay. Second is transform it into some kind of format that's more amenable to analysis. So that might be something like taking a bunch of event data and rolling it up to the individual level. Maybe it's uh, time stamping all the interactions that somebody had for a single day rather than having them all streaming or something like that. Right. Because it's because the way that it got logged may not be the way that you need to uh, that you need it to be to do the an analysis or you may have actually stored it in a way that's optimized for a different kind of analysis and now you need to transform it to do uh, your analysis. Yeah, yeah. So that's all that that transformation step exactly. And then loading it into some kind of system where you can actually do the analysis. So a simple example of this is saving it as a CSV file so that you can load it up in your Python environment or your R environment and do that analysis. But it might also go live in some place that's a little bit more formal, like a data warehouse is very often kind of the central repository of data sets for analytics. So uh, depending on the scale and maturity of the operation at an organization, you might have one of these big data warehouses, but it's just a bigger, more powerful version of that same general L in ETL. So I, I have maybe, this is probably a very silly question, but when you said, I, I've never heard the term data warehouse before. And when you said that, I imagined this huge cavernous, like storage facility that like Amazon might have before they load their stuff. And by, by that, you don't actually mean necessarily a physical location, but more like a, a system that, uh, that stores your data. Well, in some cases, it can be a physical location because it's a server closet somewhere. Mm. More often, people are... Wait, but that's a closet. <laughs> it's not a warehouse. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Um, yeah, I always imagine that scene at the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark when it's that huge, yeah. it's that huge warehouse. Um, yeah, so there were a couple good definitions that I found of data warehouse that I, that I wrote down as I was doing some research for this episode. Um, so one person... I, called it a it's a copy of transaction data that's specifically structured for query and analysis so it's just thinking about you know some kind of roll up of not focusing so much on how big is the data or exactly where and how is it stored but the the conceptual unifying th theme is that it's stored for the purpose of analysis uh, a similar description is that it's a subject oriented integrated time variant and non-volatile collection of data in support of management's decision-making process. So this is a much more full-feature definition, but it's generally the idea that this is where the data is kept for uh, operations that need to make decisions on top of it. And that's one of the things that's really powerful about 
data warehouses. You're right, they're not usually single locations, but in some senses, they're routing stations of all of the different types of operations within an organization or a company that are running off of that data. So they tend to, if they're done really well and if people use them, they implicitly organize not just the data, but the way that people think about and use the data and sometimes even the definitions of things. So if you have something like customer, the the number of interactions that a customer has had on an app in the last day, if that is standardized, defined and standardized at the data warehouse level, then that means that everyone in the company is using the same definition. And that's actually fairly rare. It's much more <laughs> common for different business units to have sometimes their own definitions of the same thing. So that's one of the things that's actually pretty cool about the a data warehouse from an organizational perspective is, again, if it's done well and if people actually use it, it in the process of organizing a system's data, you tend to organize their their business processes and their decision processes a little bit as well. So this seems like a really important role to have, but I, I wonder why data scientists don't just do this stuff themselves, like as part of the job. Is it that the people who come into the field typically don't have the type of training that's necessary and it's too large of a skill set to acquire? Or is there something um, about the role itself that requires it to be a different person? I think it's more so the former than the latter. Uh, so data scientists very often come from statistics and analytics backgrounds where they're really good with the machine learning algorithms. They're real good with the statistical methodologies. But one of the things that in most programs you don't learn how to do is manage gigantic data sets at scale. Uh, there are obviously exceptions to that. Like there are plenty of places where you can get training that teaches you or, you know, forces you to work with big data sets, but it's more of the the exception rather than the rule. And so a lot of times if you're a data scientist, you don't already have this knowledge coming out of school. And even if you do have that knowledge, I think it's still worth, you know, if you can, in investing in folks who this is their job is owning these pipelines because the data technology itself changes so fast these days in the same way that algorithms change so fast that even if at some point in time you're a master of both of those realms, just keeping up with all the different ways that you should be keeping track of the data and the, the latest and greatest in database technologies and, oh, when should we move over to streaming and all this mm. kind of stuff. Like that's, yeah, there's that's a, a lot. That's a full-time job, yeah. So having it all centralized in one person, that's usually where places start. You start, you hire a data scientist and then they're usually pretty pretty smart folks and they figure out how to get some stuff done and cobble things together on their own a little bit. But at some point, depending on, again, the size, the ambition, the maturity of the organization, this is very often broken out into its own team. It also seems like uh, it's almost like a different set of things to optimize for. You know, you're taking a bit more of an infrastructural perspective on the day-to-day -day work 
of uh, of the data scientists, right? So any individual data science scientist will be focused on the work that they are doing in front of them, but a data engineer will be focused on kind of like a level of abstraction above that. Like, are things going well? What are the weaknesses of the system? What are the typical slow points of in, of most of many projects? Um, how can we create systems or tools or implement things that will um, make this faster, make this easier. Maybe it might be making things easier to onboard people uh, onto if you're growing a team. Uh, so it just seems like a different a different set of things to be optimizing for, in a sense, and a different things as a set of things to be uh, thinking about as well, just in your day to day. Yeah, I think that's I think that's actually a really great point. Yes. Uh, it's certainly most data engineers, I think, have lots of stuff to do and a lot of responsibility on their shoulders. So if you're a data scientist and you're a team of one and you're a little bit struggling here with keeping all of your data organized, uh, don't despair. It's not you. It's really actually quite hard. And actually, I'll just say briefly that in software engineering, there, there I know that there are so many things that are hard to learn things that are uh, more organizational things uh, or infrastructural best practices. I, I don't want to like go too far down that rabbit hole, but to say that like there are things that are a little bit divorced from the day to day that you're doing that are hard things to learn because they're not things that people explicitly teach you. Well, yeah. And that's part of why I wanted to do this episode too, was yeah. that there's a name for being an expert in keeping data organized and orderly and flowing smoothly, that name yeah. is data engineering. Um, and so that's the second takeaway is if you're, if you're a data scientist or you're on a team that's struggling with this a little bit and you're thinking like, is this a thing? How do I figure out what this is? That's, that's what it's called. It's called data engineering. And so go learn up about it, go, find some data engineers and talk to them about what their job is. If you're in a position to do this, go hire one of them and, uh, and your life will be richer for it. And if you happen to be a person for whom this seems like a fun job and you have some experience with data science and you also, uh, maybe have some background that is amenable to, to doing data engineering, Hopefully you've heard of data engineering before, but if you haven't, you know, that's the name for it. And probably as data science continues to be a big thing in our world, and as teams become more mature and as the industry itself becomes more mature, we'll probably see data engineering become more and more of a thing. Yeah, that was just the thing that I was about to add, actually, is that, yeah. you know, as more and more of these... Uh, teams and, and initiatives are becoming more mature and they're figuring out that this is an important part of growing and scaling and maturing. There's a lot of demand for data engineering that's growing as well. So if you're, if you're really interested in data, you like working with data, you have more of a software engineering background and the, the statistics and the machine learning aren't quite clicking for you, but you just want to be part of that ecosystem. Data engineering could be a pretty cool thing for you to check out. Linear Digressions is a Creative Commons endeavor, which means you can share or use it any way you like. Just tell them we said hi. 
To find out more about this or any other episode of Linear Digressions, go to LinearDigressions.com. And if you like this podcast, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes so other people get to listen to this content too. You can always get in touch with either of us. Our emails are ben at LinearDigressions.com and katie at LinearDigressions.com in case you have comments or suggestions for future shows. You can tweet us at Lynn Digressions. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time.